right, so um, we are uh, in the place of coming to the end of Nehemiah, and we'll uh, finish up next week is the plan, and uh, then we'll go into Esther, which uh, we were just talking about earlier. I'm, I'm kind of looking forward to um, just a great story there in Esther. So, But uh, tonight we're back in uh, a list of names, and we've been doing that as last week and now this week, actually, chapters 11 and chapters 12 are pretty much lists of names for the most part. And, you know, sometimes you get into the Bible and, and you, you know, go through, uh, whether you start in the New Testament in Matthew, uh, you know, you go into Luke, you go into, uh, you know, certainly the Old Testament right away and a number of places, uh, you know, you see these lists of people. And, Sometimes we can look at them and go, okay, that's great. Um, uh, what does that mean? And, you know, I think there's different applications sometimes to those lists, and certainly there is different application, I should say. But, but tonight, you know, the, the names, I think, are the primary reason we see these names, which I just want to keep us in mind as we start out, is that, you know, the Father is recording who they are. He knows all about them, uh, who their families are, where they're from. Uh, he knows what they're doing. And, uh, you know, I think tonight one of the great lessons we learned from these lists is that he knows that. Uh, there's, he keeps lists, uh, if you would. He keeps track of who does what and, uh, you know, knows everything about them. And I just think that's great encouragement for us today because he knows us. And he knows what's going on. Nobody else may see that. Nobody else may recognize it. And, you know, our, our service to the Lord is, you know, always unto him. And we, we can't have this heart of looking to people to give us a pat on the back and a thanks and a good job and amen. And, you know, those things can be encouraging and good at times. But our ultimate heart uh, needs to be that we, we serve a great and loving God. And that's why we do what we do. And so whether anybody sees it, or they don't see it, or they recognize it, or don't recognize it, ultimately that doesn't really matter to us. And if it does, then we, we have other problems. You'll find yourself being very frustrated in Christian service. But, you know, again, if we do it as unto the Lord, we see that He keeps track of it, and He knows, and He knows the details, and He knows who's doing what, when, where, how, and why. And, uh, you know, I just can't help but to to think that, you know, those are the lists that we want to be on in heaven. And so as we read these names, kind of keep that in mind. He knows. He knows today whether he knows back then what they were doing. He knows today what we're doing. And so verse 11, um, again, as we've been going through the book of Nehemiah, uh, it says, verse 1, uh, chapter 11, Now the leaders of the people dwelt at Jerusalem. The rest of the people cast lots to bring one out of ten to dwell in Jerusalem, the holy city, and nine-tenths were to dwell in other cities. Now, remember the wall has been constructed. The temple, of course, was rebuilt long before that. Then the wall was built, and now they have this big city. Uh, it's walled, so it, it's safe from marauders and other people that would do them harm. All their neighbors wanted to do the Jews harm. And so now it was safe to, uh, to be in there, but for the most part, Jerusalem was empty. 
people lived outside. They lived on their farms. They lived in the, by their orchards or, uh, you know, where they raised their animals out in the, the pasture lands and so forth. And so uh, the city leaders and the government was there, but most people didn't want to, to, to live there. Now, there's good reason for that because everything was a wreck. We saw how the walls were a wreck. And they had to do everything they could to get all the scraps and you know stones that were all over the place and 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 rebuild the walls. But now you know all the effort was spent either on the temple in years past and certainly on the walls currently that there wasn't a whole lot of houses. It was still a lot of rubble there. So it was um, you know uh, it was a difficult place to live, and they would have to do some camping out literally and then rebuild these homes, and they would be away from. As I said, most of their sources of income with farms and orchards and, and grazing lands and so forth. And just the people, the leaders live there. And so now they're going to ask that 10% of the people, one out of 10, uh, live in Jerusalem. Now, just think about that. They wanted the protection of the city, you know, a place to run when there was danger. But notice they didn't want to put any effort or make any sacrifice involved to rebuilding the city or maintaining it. And, uh, the, you know, I that's, find that very interesting. You know, um, if the people really love God and, and their holy city, right, Jerusalem, they would want to live there. Even if it was just only to witness to the Gentiles that were around there. Like how great is their God that they're willing to do this because He is worthy of that. Um, so again, a lot of them didn't want to step up to that. And it would have been a lot of work. It really would have been. And uh, again, why rebuild a city if you don't plan to live there? But that's what they were doing. And so they had to pick one out of ten by, by, by lots. In other words, you drew straws. And the short straw, I guess, had to live inside of Jerusalem. Um, and rebuild the homes and then, you know, make a way to, to live there. So in a tough spot. But verse 2 is a, is a light in, in this, and it says, and, people, and the people blessed all the men who willingly offered themselves to dwell, in, to dwell at Jerusalem. So again, you know, the condition was most of the people didn't want to do this, but there were a few who were willing to do this. And I really believe from verse uh, 3, um, well, mention some of the leaders, but then all the way down through verse 19 really talks about those people who had a willing heart, it says. They were willingly offered themselves to dwell in Jerusalem. And again, the Father sees that, and it's recorded down that they had a willing heart to, 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 to do that. They were just willing to do what the Father wanted them to do. And, and the Lord, our Heavenly Father, sees and knows that. You know, it's, it's, I guess in today's equivalent, you know, there's difficult jobs, you know, within the church body. And, uh, you know, maybe teaching the little children at church, you know, which is not babysitting. Um, you know, you, you undertake that role and they're kind of running around. And, you know, the younger they are, the little more hyper they tend to be, and the older they are, you know, sometimes they're pretty hard rocks by then. They're, they think they know everything, and they're, you know, smart Alex, and they're difficult on that end, right? 
And um, so again, you know, you, you look at that and you go, oh, that's just going to be so hard. How am I going to control those teenagers or those little guys? How can I get their attention long enough to, to teach them something significant that they might learn something while they're here at church? And, you know, a lot of people just say, oh, it's just not even worth it, you know, from crying to, to you know, causing trouble and everywhere in between. And, um, but again, if you willingly offer yourself in service of the Lord and that's where he moves you, you know, in faith you go, who knows what's going to happen to them? Who, who knows what they will really be and what impact, you know, that my willingness will be in their lives, and that's really true with anything, when we have a willing heart. Who knows what God will do um, when we're just willing to serve Him and however He sees fit. Uh, again, maybe it's just spending time with someone. Who knows what the impact will be, but I'm willing to spend time with them. I'm willing to invest my life and, and, and my effort and my time um, into, into someone or a number of people. And again, it's just, who knows what God will do? I'm just, I just want to be the willing vessel. And that's the heart our Heavenly Father wants us to have. And again, who was willing to make the sacrifice to have the city uh, a refuge in times of trouble? Um, well, it didn't seem like a whole lot. There were some that were willing, but they were willing to do that, to make the sacrifice, to city a place of refuge in times of trouble. And I guess, you know, someone put it this way. I thought it was really good. He said, if, you know, if you, um, uh, where do you find yourself today? You know, do you make uh, a church, the church, a, a place of times of trouble, a place of refuge? Is that what your part is? Or is it the place you use for times of trouble? I mean, which is it? Are, are, is it a place that you make ready for, for times of trouble? Or is it just a place that you turn to uh, in times of trouble? And again, uh, uh, it, just, it just reflects in our willingness and, and the willingness to go to church and their willingness to show the importance of, of, of serving the Lord and spend, being faithful in church uh, you, you know, it, it makes an impact on them. Just as these guys would have a willing heart would make an impact on those people that were watching around them to encourage them. That they're not just going to serve the Lord or spend time with the Lord when it's convenient. And, and not at their convenience, but at the Father's will. I, again, I just think it's just so important to have that willing heart. And I think it's a great verse to underline or circle or highlight however you do it. And in fact, I like uh, how one commentator put it. It's, he said this, he said, Never underestimate the importance of simply being physically present in the place where God wants you. You may not be asked to perform some dramatic ministry, but simply being there is a ministry. The men, women, and children who helped populate the city of Jerusalem were serving God, their nation, and future generations by their step of faith. And again, in this case, you know, it wasn't some dramatic thing. It was just being willing and being faithful and making themselves available, and they could be physically present to make that city a place for when people came in, in times of trouble, that it would, it would be that place. 
and just their physical presence and what they did in day in and day out made it that way. Just don't underestimate the power of a willing heart and what God will do with a life and heart that's willing. It just says, you know, send me, use me, Lord. Huge, huge, huge thing in the Christian life. And, and finally, it's where the Lord met his people, you know, and you're his people, don't, don't you want to be there? <laughs> There's a big, big encouragement there. And so, again, verse 3 tells us, uh, says, the heads of the providences who dwelt in Jerusalem, and, uh, but the cities of Judah, everyone dwelt in his own possessions in their city. And it talked about the Israelites, the priests, the Levites, the Nephilim, and the descendants of Solomon's servants. So in other words, again, the leadership lived uh, in, in Jerusalem, but for the most part, everybody else lived outside. And then it goes through down the list who dwelt in Jerusalem and from the children of Jerusalem, Judah, I'm sorry, it lists their names and then it lists a bunch of people, you know, of end of verse 6 is 486 valiant men. And then it lists some people from Benjamin uh, who were willing to, uh, to live there and the 928 of the, of the tribe of Benjamin. And verse 10 talks about the priests that were obviously there and there were 822 at the end of verse or middle of verse 12. And then verse 15 talks about the Levites, Shemaiah, the son of Hashbub, the son of Azrakim, the son of Hashbaiah, the son of Benaiah, uh, Shabbathah, Ai, and Jazabab, the heads of the Levites, had oversight of the business outside the house of God. And, and so again, we see these people, um, and I believe this is kind of the list of those that had the willing heart. It just kind of seems that way to me. Uh, and then verse 20 is kind of the break for the people that kind of got drew the short straw. But, you know, the Lord's naming them, remembering them. And it talks about, you know, what they did. Obviously, the priests had responsibility to minister within the temple, but there was also so much to do outside the temple. And that's what those guys in verse 16, 15 and 16 uh, did. And it said that. And then verse 17 lists some more names, and then verse 19, moreover, the gatekeepers, and it lists those two guys were 172. And so we see that, um, you know, these are the people with that willing heart to move in there, uh, to, to see what God would do, to serve the Lord in certain ways, or just to live there. Um, they made themselves available, available to do that. Now that they had gates and all that, they had people that were willing to staff them and people to stay there and minister at the temple. So when people wanted to go to the temple and worship the Lord, whether it was on a Sabbath day or a holiday or offer something, you know, in the middle of the week or whenever it was, that they were there and they were available. And they were willing to, to live in Jerusalem and, and make a home of it, even though it was very difficult. But they were willing and it blessed many of the people. And then verse 20, and I'll put the map up, because if you look at those names in that uh, light-colored section, you can see Jerusalem's in the middle of it, you know, just, just to the side of the Dead Sea. These are kind of the towns um, that they came from, the one out of ten, or the ten percent. And verses 20 all the way down uh, through verses, um, you know, 36, list the people and where they came from and where they settled in those villages, and then 
they, again, uh, they were kind of pressed into service or pressed into living in Jerusalem. You know, okay, uh, you nine can stay there, and then you're the tenth one, you're in Jerusalem, and you're nine, and then tenth. And so they obviously, uh, you know, picked it out so that 10% would go there. And you can see from the, from the cities that were around there and the places where they came from. Um, and again, Nehemiah has given us lists before, but, you know, again, recorded are the people who were taking part in what God was doing. And don't forget the Lord uses people with many different gifts and skills to get His work done in this world. That's what He did, and we're not all the same, and that's a good thing. And sometimes, you know, uh, you know we can kind of look at people in a different way that have the same kind of gifts as we do and maybe look at them as, a, you know, closer or somehow feel a little more attached to them. And I get that because, you know, they, they have a lot, we have a lot of similarities there. But, but we need people with all sorts of gifts and all kinds of sorts of skills that the Lord has given to them to, to get His work done. And we need them all, from the, the lowliest guy just watching the gate to keep it safe, you know, in the middle of the night. I mean, who's, everybody else is asleep. He's out there making sure everything's going to be okay to the, the priests that were offering, you know, the showbread in the temple or offering the, the, the uh, incense or whatever it might be. They were all very important, all an important part of the work that God was doing and blessing His people with. And same thing is true today, you know. He gives us our bodies so the Lord could use us as His tools to accomplish His work. And each person is important and each task is significant. Um, and again, the Father is still making lists today in heaven. And I think... Let's be on as many lists as he has for us, right? We, we, we want to be on as many lists. And yep, uh, you know, the Lord used you know, him there and her there and on this list and on that list and on this list. And let's just be on as many as the Lord has for us. Let's be open and willing. I think that's what made, you know, that's what makes a great mature believer in Jesus Christ, a, a Christian we'd say today, is they just have a willing heart. And when we have an attitude, well, I'm not going to do this, and I don't do this, and I can't do that, I don't want to do that, I don't do this, I don't do that. You know, it's just, uh, it's a good thing to step back and check and say, Lord, you know, I, I just don't want to limit you and what you might choose to do with my life. And the Lord always does great things, and most of us are very well aware of that. We've seen it in our lives. And so we get through one list here in chapter 11. Now, chapter 12 um, is a little bit different here on the list. Now, remember in chapters 8 and 9, they were reading God's Word, and there was this great revival, uh, and you know they had heard the Word, and it put them into action. Hey, this is what the Bible teaches. This is what we need to do. And so they were doing all that, and then they signed you know, a commitment to doing that, putting in writing, they're going to observe God's law. They all said amen and committed to that. And then Jerusalem is repopulated. You know, one out of t every ten families moves into the city. And, and of course, and there was those who willingly gave themselves to the Lord. And so now Nehemiah is going to register and organize the priests and the Levites, verses really 1 through 26 of chapter 12 here. And um, 
you know, kind of get it all organized. Who's doing what? What do they do? You know, who are the priests? Who are the Levites? Who's going to do this? Um, uh, again, all that they were going to do all the way down through verse 26. Those who are on the worship team, those that were serving in different ways. And so he kind of gets them all on the list and they all know what they're supposed to do. And it's all pretty clear their responsibilities. And so, um, you know, that's what he's going to do in the first part. And then, of course, the rest of the chapter is this great time of dedication and celebration um, because the wall was done and the city was safe and God accomplished so much under so much duress, as we remember, right? That they wanted to kill Nehemiah. They were trying to assassinate him. They were intimidating them. They were sending you know, hit squads over and they were trying to discourage him, make him look bad, trying to attack the people. And you remember over the past weeks that we've been going through all that and, and, and now that's all behind them and they get to look forward. So they're going to celebrate that at the end of the chapter here. So again, verses 1 through 23, I'm just not going to read all those names there and you can read through them yourselves, but it's a list of names. God knows them. Um, you know, uh, records those who are serving, those who are leading, what their responsibility. Uh, and again, the Lord knows who they are, and they have a calling. And I want to repeat that again. We all have a calling. We all have service to the Lord. All of us. All of us have gifts, talents, and abilities, and callings from the Lord. Everybody. Everybody that's a believer. Now, you know, if you've been a believer for a very short time, maybe you're trying to figure out what that might be and, and see how the Lord might use you. But, you know, after that short period of time, we should be pretty, pretty sure on the gifts and talents God has given us and putting them into action. Again, He, he has a place for us. And if you're not doing that, then you really need to spend some time praying and, you know, those that are, are, are spiritually mature that you know, you know, usually they can see pretty clearly, you know, well, I, I can see this gift working in you. I can see the ability you have. And these are some of the areas that you might uh, be able to use those. And, and if you're not sure, do that. Pray and then seek the wisdom of people that know the Lord and have walked with the Lord for a long time. And usually those that know you the best, and they can always direct you and say, here's, this is the gifts and talents God has given you. And you want to do that, because if you're not, you get very frustrated. If you're just kind of pursuing your own thing and not using those gifts, you find yourself getting frustrated pretty quick. And things get you down and frustrated pretty quick, because you're just not using those gifts and talents the way the Lord has designed. And it's a very frustrating place to be. So clearly you can see that they have clear callings and clear places they're supposed to be serving. And then uh, verse 24 talks about the heads of the Levites and Hashbiah and Shurebiah and Jeshua, the son of these guys, uh, Kedemiel, with their brothers across from them to praise and to give, and I'm sorry, praise and give thanks group alternating with group according to the command of David, the man of God. And then it lists the, some of the gatekeepers here. Uh, and then, of course, finally, Nehemiah, the governor, and Ezra, the priest, in verse 20, uh, the priest, the scribe. And I, I like this here in verses 24, you know, it talks about the, 
you know, the people uh, uh, who praised God. You know, that, that was their job, you know, and that's what they did. They praised God. And I just like to ask, you know, would you make that list? You know, are you one of those people that, you know, just, just wants to praise God? Uh, you know, you don't have to have a great talent and a great voice. And yes, those are called to lead, usually are gifted in that area. You know, have musical abilities and uh, vocal abilities, but you don't have to have any of that to praise God. You know, that's one of the biggest things, you know, listening to regular music uh, that's on the radio or whatever. I guess nobody listens to the radio anymore. You know, it's on uh, the Internet or Spotify or, you know, um, some of those other, you know, music apps and Internet music, uh, Cirrus and all that. Um, you know, listening to the regular music, for the most part, not a bad thing. Now, there's some ones that are pretty bad and explicit language and things that aren't good. Certainly, yeah, that's, you know, we shouldn't go there. But, you know, regular stuff, not a big deal. But, but you know, I learned a long time ago that I could listen to that and, you know, start singing Hotel California in my head and, you know, this or that. And, okay, you know, such a lovely place, you know, such a lovely face. They're living up hotel. You know, I don't know why. This one popped in my head, right? And, uh, you know, okay, not bad, not good, probably kind of neutral in one way. Um, uh, although maybe, you know, anyway, my point is with that, not to argue that song, but, but then I could be listening to music that makes me think of how good God is or, you know, what he has done or how majestic he is. And I just have found a long time ago that that has an impact on me. I'd rather have that song on my heart and in my head than, you know, uh, listening to something from the Bee Gees or, I don't know, I'm sorry, I'm way out of date with music, but, um, you know, just learn that. And I, I want to be on that list, if you would. I want to make the list of a person that, you know, praises God. And uh, whether it's in your car or in the shower or at home when you're by yourself or whatever it is, I think that's just, uh, uh, that, uh, you know, somebody that does that is somebody that, in my opinion, that kind of gets it. They see the value in worshiping the Lord and hearing from the Lord and, and, and just singing out His praises. And that's what these people did. And I think that's pretty cool. So now that we got all those guys and that list and those servants out of the way and what they did, now for the rest of the chapter, we're going to spend time of great joy and great celebration. So here's the map, just so you might get the, the white is um, the, the present uh, old city wall. And the darker color uh, is the wall in Nehemiah's day. So you get a sense of, um, if you've seen pictures of it, you know, it encompasses some of what happened in Nehemiah's day. And the rest of it, you get an idea. This is they're, they're going to spend some time in great joy and great dedication that this wall is can complete. And they're going to have two praise bands, if you would, or two choirs uh, heading, starting in one place and going in opposite directions, and they, they're going to meet at the temple. And uh, they're just going to walk along the walls, and they're going to be singing, they're going to be praising God, they're going to be celebrating you know, it's just going to be a great time, great time of joy and celebration, what God did. And they're going to do it on top of the walls. 
so that everybody inside and most importantly everybody outside can just hear what is God has done and the joy and the celebration at the work of God and so let's let's read that in verse 27 it says now at the dedication uh, of the wall of Jerusalem they sought out the Levites in their places and to bring them to Jerusalem to celebrate the dedication with gladness both with thanksgivings and singing with cymbals and string instruments and harps and the sons of the singers gathered together from outside, uh, from countryside around Jerusalem, from the villages of the Nephonites, uh, uh, from the house of Gilgal, from the fields of Gibeah and Asmaeth, from the singers had built themselves villages all around Jerusalem. And then the priests and Levites purified themselves, purified the people, the gates, and the wall. And so, again, now everybody, you know, not just the 10% that are living in there, but all the rest of them, um, are, are everybody's coming in, and they're dedicating this wall. Wow, Lord, look what you did. Remember, it was 52 days they completed that through great and tremendous pressure. And remember everybody, at the, remember we read weeks ago where, you know, Nehemiah, yeah, this is in front of your house or you're, you know, you're responsible for this section here or this gate and this. And, and you know, they had all worked together and they've done this great work in 52 days. And it's, uh, it's big enough and strong enough to have groups of people walking on it. Uh, again, uh, they're, they're walking along. They're having these big, huge groups of people going in, in, in both directions around there. And uh, they're, they're dedicating it to the Lord uh, and the people and, and, and just everything to the Lord. And then Nehemiah says in verse 31, So I brought the leaders of Judah up on the wall and appointed two large thanksgiving choirs. One went to the right hand uh, on the wall towards a refuge gate, uh, after uh, Hosh, uh, Hoshaniah and the other half of the leaders of Judah, Azariah, Ezra, Meshalem, Judah, Benjamin, Shemaiah, Jeremiah, and some of the priest's sons with trumpets, Zechariah the son of Jonathan, and Shemaiah the son of Mataniah, and the son of Mishaiah, and the son of Zakur, the son of Asaph, and his brethren, Shemiel, and you can read all those other names there, Nethaniel, Judah, Hanani, with musical instruments of David, the man of God, and Ezra the scribe went before them. Um, so again, Nehemiah is leading one group. Uh, Ezra is leading the other group. They have these choirs or these worship teams with all their instruments and all their singing, and they're, they're meeting at one place. And, uh, you know, they're just going to worship the Lord and walk the whole distance uh, of the whole, uh, encompass the city of Jerusalem. And they're going to be, um, uh, again, meeting together in front of the temple. So verse 37 says, By the fountain gate in front of them, they went up the stairs of the city of David, and on the stairway of the wall beyond the house of David, as far as the water gate eastward. And the other, verse 38, says, Thanksgiving choir went the opposite way. And I was behind them with half the, people of the, uh, half of the people on the wall 
going past the tower of the ovens as far as the broad wall, above the gate of Ephraim, above the old gate, above the fish gate, the tower of Hananel, the tower of a hundred as far as the sheep gate, and they stopped by the gate of the prison. And so verse 40 says, the two thanksgiving choirs stood in the house of God, likewise I and half the rulers with me. And then it lists the names of the priests there who had trumpets, and then it lists again, Asaniah, Shemiah, Eleazar, Uzi, uh, John, uh, Jehohanah, uh, Mikhei, you got that guy's Elam and Ezer. And the singers sang loudly with Jeraziah, uh, the director. They also that day offered great sacrifices and rejoiced, for God had made them rejoice with great joy. The women and the children also rejoiced, so that the joy of Jerusalem was heard afar off. So I really just get that, and here's a picture if that helps you give some idea what they were doing. And you know, the top left picture is kind of a, the model of the city, so you can kind of get the walls where they ran around, and you know, the picture on the right maybe gives you an idea of, of kind of what the wall looks like. Um, although we saw some archaeological pictures earlier of what the wall actually looks like. They uncovered it now. And then, you know, the picture below maybe just gives you some idea of the trees, priests blowing the trumpets and people going and rejoicing at what God was doing and one procession going this way, you know, going west and, and the other one going east and then heading north and going up the walls. And then, uh, you know, their group is meeting at the end there, at the very top of that where the temple is, if you look in that top left picture of the temple, way up at the top there, and uh, they were both going to meet at the temple area, and the services was finished with sacrifices uh, offered to the Lord. Now, the question is, why do this? Why not just meet at the temple, and, you know, like they would at another feast or other feasts and just rejoice and sing and do all this there. Um, you know, I think the people were just bearing witness to the watching and, and the world was watching. Because remember, every time they were in construction, all the neighbors would come and see what they were doing and they knew they were building. And so there was a lot of people, you know, from other nations that were all around there coming and going around there and checking it out. And, you know, the, the world was watching what God had done. And the people are saying, you know, this happened because our God is great. Not because we're great craftsmen and we're, we're expert builders and we're good stonemasons and carpenters extraordinaire. Remember, most of them were just regular people. Most of them weren't skilled in those areas. As a matter of fact, some of them were just the opposite. You know, there were goldsmiths and perfumers that would work in very fine and, and intricate things. They were really specialized craftsmen, we'd say today. Uh, and there was priests that, you know, their job wasn't to do any of that. And even the Levites. But they all pitched in and did that. And uh, again, it shows you that it was just through the great miraculous work and hand of God that this came to be at this period of time, even through all these hardships. And so, you know, they wanted everybody to know that could hear within any kind of distance how great God was. 
I also think it, it had something to do way back in chapter 4. Remember when they first started building the walls and Sambalat and Tobiah and Gershom were kind of sitting there watching the Jews, you know, and they had their little army behind them and, the, you know, their soldiers and everything. And they're watching the Jews and they're making fun. Ah, you guys don't even know what you think you're going to do. You think you're going to rebuild this wall out of all this junk? That's impossible. And, and then the other guy said, yeah, and even if they do get something built, if a fox jumped on that wall, it'll just all come down, <laughs> you know? It'll just all crumble. Even if they do get something built, it won't withstand a fox jumping on it. And I think, you know, not only was that in the back of Nehemiah's head, is that, you know, God did all this work, and when he does it, you know, it's, it, it's there. We're, we can take groups of people large groups of people and walk all along this thing and sing and shout and have a great time and uh, so much for a fox knocking this all over. There they are marching on the walls and I think it was just a great testimony of God's goodness and, and God's greatness and to all of them. You know, it was a unbelieving Gentiles at the power of God and the reality of their faith. And I just... You know, I, I just think that's so important that we always remember to give God glory in our lives. Well, how did this come about? How did you do this? How was this accomplished? And you know, it just we, we just got to be careful that we never take credit for things. Now, you know, I know some people can, it can be kind of annoying, you know, false humility kind of a thing. Oh yeah, God did this, you know, like they're super spiritual or something. And that's not the attitude. You don't want that either. But you don't want to take credit for it either. You know, there's one to be this humble is like, you know, without God's grace, uh, none of it would have happened. You know, with God's favor, God's blessing, God giving me this ability, you know, the work done uh, through the Lord in my life. It's just, it's important. It, it needs to be a testimony. I think that's why Jesus, uh, you know, said, you know, no one lights a light and then covers it. You don't light a lamp, or turn on a light and then you cover it with some black, black cloth or something to block out the light. It, you want it to shine. You want it to be, re, to, to be able to see. And that same way, he likened that to us. We're lights for him. And we always want to shine brightly for him that he might be seen in us. And that's what Paul was saying in Corinthians when we get to it in the next book. You know, we're, we're, uh, we, we have this... Uh, treasure in jars of clay or earthen vessels it might say in some of the older translations you know so what's great is not us we're fragile we're break really easy but what's great is it what's inside of us and that's the spirit of god and the work of god in our lives and you know the people had opportunity to show you know the work had been done, and not by one person, or not by a group of people, but by all of them being willing to be used by God, and rebuilding that wall, were able to do it. And by God's grace, there was, um, you know, um, it, it was done, and it was worth celebrating. Now, uh, this was a great time of celebration, and um, now, they had some troubles, you know, they still had all the people around them uh, are upset. They don't want to see the nation established. A lot of them believers in that Sambalat and Tobiah and Gershom and all those other guys that wanted to kill Nehemiah still hate the Jews. They don't want to see them succeed. 
they, they're still looking for ways to, to, to cause trouble and to discourage the Jews. And, and, you know, the Jews can sit back and say, oh, we got that done, but we have so much more to do. We've got to get people in here to keep it safe. We have to get it ready whenever people wanted to, to you know, come in and worship. We need to get ready in case we have to have it as a place of refuge if, you know, a larger army comes or if they were all to gang up together and attack us at one time. You know, we need to get this going. We need to do this. We need to do this. And, and you know... Uh, I, I know I can be that way. So, okay, we got this accomplished, but there's still so much more to do. But I think it's important that they stopped and they gave uh, time to celebrate and rejoice in the Lord. Uh, and just because there was more to do or they still had troubles didn't stop them from celebrating and again rejoicing in what God had done. And I think that's important, you know, to take a time out and say, listen, I, I'm going to celebrate and rejoice in what God has done, you know, uh, and, and maybe in this small thing and maybe in a big thing or maybe some other things. And it doesn't mean that life is smooth every place else and there's not trouble every place else. But, you know, I, I just don't want to, you know, always focus on the trouble and the negative and the bad and the down. You know, I want to take some time out and say, Lord, you're good, and celebrate and rejoice in your goodness and your love and all that you've done. And there's every reason for all of us to do it, no matter what our situations and circumstances are today. The troubles are always going to come. They're going to go. New ones are going to come. And they're going to go. And other ones are going to You know, it's always going to be that way. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't take the time to celebrate and rejoice. And uh, nor should the future discouragement um, temper the celebration in great things. And we have great things to celebrate. And there is great reason today to celebrate what the Lord has done in your life. You know, it's, it's, it's something that's talked about a lot in the New Testament as well. Uh, Philippians 4, 4 says, you know, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. You know, here we see it happening. And again, remember the old, the New Testament principles are seen clearly in the Old Testament people. You know, we see that worked out in their lives and through their lives and, and, you know, it's written in principle there, like rejoice always. And again, I say rejoice. Okay, how is that seen? Oh, it's seen right here in this, with Nehemiah and Ezra going around the wall. There was a lot of trouble. There was a reason not to rejoice. They had a lot of work ahead. They could have said, okay, we just got this far. We still have that much more to go. But they decided to rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. And of course, I don't know if you're like me, but that song pops in my head. Rejoice in the Lord always again. I say rejoice, rejoice. Okay, anyway, sorry. Uh, uh, so that's what the New Testament says. And then, of course, uh, uh, here's another one in 1 Thessalonians 5, um, 16 through 18. Verse 16 says, rejoice always. Uh, again, uh, pray without ceasing in verse 17. And then verse 18 says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. So again, rejoice, give thanks, spend time, you know, thanking the Lord in prayer 
And, uh, you know, it's just a principle we see, you know, uh, throughout Scripture. And that's what they're doing here. And you could have had a very good excuse not to do it, but that's not the will and the way of the Lord. And, you know, sometimes uh, the gloomy darkness can be overwhelming. And if we don't poke our head up to celebrate and rejoice, even in some smaller things, maybe we might say, compared to the bigger problems, then, you know, we're always under this cloud. And that's not the will of the Father. Rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice, give thanks in all, in all circumstances. You know, pray without ceasing. Be thankful. Um, there's always a reason to do that. And then the last few verses here, verse 44, and at the same time, some were appointed over the rooms of the storehouses for the offerings of the first fruits, the tithe and the tithes, to gather into them from the fields of the cities the portions specified by the law for the priests and the Levites. For Judah rejoiced over the priests and the Levites who ministered. Um, so we talked about that last time. One of the things that they dedicated was we're going to we're going to give because they need some money every year. We're going to give, you know, uh, a part of a, a, a third of a shekel. And then, you know, we're going to give our first fruits and our firstborn of our animals and our, and our, and our sons, you know, that was uh, obviously you didn't give them, but you, you know, would redeem them back, obviously. And, and you could do that to people. But the firstborn of your animals were supposed to go. The first fruits of your crops and of your orchards and your vineyards and all that went in. And then you set aside the tithe. They were making the commitment to do all of that. And, and here now they're making room uh, for, for that when it came in to be put away. There was storage for it. And again, back then they would, you know, use that food and, and support in the temple work, support the people, support all the things that needed to happen there. And they were making ready for that. And verse 45 says, both the singers and the gatekeepers kept the charge of their God and the charge of the purification according to the command of David and Solomon, his son. For in the days of David and Asaph uh, of old, there were chiefs of the singers and the songs of praise and thanksgiving to God. In the days of Zerubbabel and the days of Nehemiah, all Israel gave portions for the singers and the gatekeepers a portion for each day. They also consecrated holy things for the Levites, and the Levites consecrated them for the children of Aaron. And so again, uh, you know, there was this great joy, there was this great celebration, and in that, they were excited to give. And as we see, these storerooms were filled with all that the people brought in. And again, they would supply those who dedicated their time and effort and energy to the things of the Lord. And, uh, you know, they were willing to do that. And not only willing, they were excited to do that. And they had to make room for all this. And yes, God is good. And, you know, you can't help but share and want to share of your time, of your resources, of what God has given to you materially with uh, you know, uh, with the Lord, because He is so good. And, and again, if we're kind of in this, you know, everything is work and there's still more to do and we're not done yet and it's so hard and, you know, we're under this kind of black cloud, you know, we, we, we can't raise our head up to be thankful and worship and praise and rejoice 
And, uh, you know, that affects everything. Then, you know, oh, I got to worry about myself and, you know, I got bills to pay. I got responsibilities. And, you know, then it's not the first fruits. It's the last fruits. Well, this is what I have left over and I'll give a portion up to the Lord rather than, no, Lord, you've given me so much. I know you are. I know you're going to come through. So I give it to you first. That was the idea of first fruits. You know, I think of you first, not last. And when we're rejoicing, when we're thankful, when we're celebrating, you know, um, it's easy to be excited to, to give. And if we're not doing that, then, you know, we have to probably examine ourselves saying, am I rejoicing? Am I taking time to give thanks and, 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 and to spend time with the Father and, and get my focus right? Because if not, then it's all about me and my problems and my situation and me, 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 this, this, that, you know. And they could have all been swallowed up in that. They had every reason to. You remember at the end of their prayer in, in verse 9, you know, here we are, uh, verse 36 says, Here we are, servants today, and the land that you gave to our fathers to eat its fruit and its bounty. And here we are, servants in it. It yields much increase to the king's. You have said over us, but because of our sins, they dominate over our bodies, over our cattle, at their pleasure, and we are in great distress. So they had so much, but because of the rule of the Persians, they had to give so much in taxes to all those that were over it. And, uh, you know, it could have been all gloom and doom. They had plenty of reasons not to do any of this. But they stuck their head from under the cloud and said, hey... We want to be faithful. We want to rejoice. We want to be celebrate. We want to celebrate. And we want to have willing hearts to do what the Father has for me to do. And uh, I think that's some great and important lessons that we learned tonight. Amen? Well, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for all these things, Lord, for the willing hearts and what you did in and through them and how it blessed everybody because of that. Lord, we also just thank you for, for those that just, you know, wanted to celebrate and decided to celebrate and said, you know, this is reason to give you thanks and to rejoice and, and to give and to be generous and to think of you in uh, uh, preeminence and, and, and first. And Father, that's just the heart you want us to have. It's not because you need anything from us. You know, we can never get that backwards. You don't need anything from us. You don't need our money. You don't need our time. You don't need anything. Our rejoicing. You don't need our prayers. You don't need any of those things. But you know how important they all are and how desperately we need to be like that because you know what's good for us. And so, Lord, help us to be those people. Lord, give us a willing heart to serve you in whatever way you choose and whenever and however. And Father, help us to, to, to rejoice in you always and to be thankful and to celebrate your goodness and to always be a light to people around us. Even through the difficulties and the heartaches and the trials, Father, let them see how great and wonderful you are and how much greater, than you, how much greater you are than the threats and the trials and the difficulties and the heartaches. How much greater you are than the economy and the pressure for financial ends meet, making ends meet and this and that. Lord, may we see that ourselves clearly and demonstrate it to this world that so desperately needs to know 
of you and be drawn close to you and receive the, the salvation that you offer through Jesus, Lord. Help us to be those people. For we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.